Essential oils have a rich history dating back thousands of years. And the oils we produce today take a wide team from farmers and distillers to people like you spreading the word to their friends and neighbors. When you hold a small bottle from Young Living, you are becoming a piece of the tapestry that makes up the whole story of essential oils. Hello and welcome to Young Living's podcast, The Wild Drop. My name is Jacob Young, your host. Young Living is the world leader in producing and distributing premium essential oils. And this podcast will provide you with drops of information about Young Living, including stories, history, product information, lots of little fun facts, and even more. In studio with us today is Brad Chatterley. Welcome, Brad. Thank you. Doing great. So, Brad, what's your title and what do you do? Okay, so I am the director of the essential oil product portfolio. And so what I do is I um, work with any of the new essential oil products that are going to be coming out. So I work with uh, people like yourself and Mm -hmm. Kate and the R&D team on things like Simplified, work with um, your mom on new products for conventions such as the Roots and Wings blend. So anything new that's coming out in the essential oil product line, that comes through me and my team. That's a new role for me. So I've been with the company for seven years, and for the first um, six and a half years, I did sourcing. So I worked with our essential oil farmers, distillers, suppliers around the world, all of our corporate farms, to get the oils for Young Living. So I've got a a bit of a background in knowing where our essential oils come from. That's fantastic. I would say sourcing is very difficult because we have very high standards, especially when it comes to the corporate farms that we work with. You know, a lot of people just think, oh, third-party farms, you know, they can't oversee everything that's happening all at once. Well, that's why we go and do thorough, like, investigations, and we go and, like, tour the farm, and it's not just a one-time thing. Like, we go back consistently. I think, like, once or twice every month, I'd say, we send somebody out to go and look at the farms, make sure everything's kind of up to spec, and we run it through our, uh, our farms organization just to make sure we're all happy and content there so i i (laughs) i can't believe that you went through sourcing (laughs) because the little bit that i know through sourcing it's very very tricky and it's very very hard just because of the high standards that we have so with you being here for seven years now i'm sure you have a gary story or the Gary story. You have a the Gary story. Yeah, I would say, I, yeah, I have my Gary story. What's the the Gary story for me? Um, and it happened early on when I, uh, in my first couple of years here. And um, I talk to our suppliers every day. And in, in sourcing, you call everyone a supplier. So when I say suppliers, I'm talking about, you know, people who may be farmers or distillers. Um, and so I talk to our suppliers every day. That was my job. And I said something to one of uh, the people that I was working with that didn't sit well with them. And they happened to have a a personal relationship with your dad. And so they reached out to your dad and said, hey, I was talking with Brad and he said this. And um, so my boss at the time, uh, the chief supply chain officer and the the COO reached out to me and they're like, hey, you need to come in and you need to talk with Gary and Mary about this situation. That's scary. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, it is. And, you know, I'm new to the company and Gary's like this uh, figure, you know, that's almost like a mythic figure. So I'm like, okay, I've got to go sit down and, and talk with him. And I thought, I'm in trouble and I am in trouble and I, so I was, I was nervous going into this, but something really cool happened. And 
what he did was he talked to me about the situation specifically, but then he started talking about the people. And and this um, supplier that I'd been working with was in Europe. And he went through the history of essential oil production in Europe starting before World War II, through mm-hmm. the war, um, when, when uh, distillers couldn't get their natural essential oils out because of the war. And so people switched over to synthetics and then they kind of stayed with that because they were cheaper. And so he gave this whole history. And he said, you know, when you're working with people, you need to know who they are. You need to know the context that you're dealing with. You need to know what they've been through. So that when you say something like you did, and he said, I understand why you said that. It seemed like the right thing to say. But when you say that, um, they hear something different because of what they've gone through. Yeah. And so he took this opportunity to teach me, not to get me in trouble, but to teach me. And it was all about knowing and understanding the people. I think that's so cool that he was extremely understanding and willing to teach you. I think that that's what I really appreciate about my dad is everything, you know, regardless of the situation, whether I messed up and how badly I messed up, he always tried to make like a life lesson out of it just to, to teach you to better yourself when, you know, something like that were to happen again. I I tried to take what he was telling me to heart. And so one of the things that I started doing is whenever I traveled somewhere from that point on, I would find a book about that place. So if I was going to Morocco, I'd find a book from Morocco. And on the flight over, because when we're traveling internationally, it's these long, long flights. Yeah, very. So I would take these books with me and read them so that I could try to understand something of the people and the culture and where they, they came from. So I read things about Morocco and Tunisia and even Hawaii, going to see our, our Royal Hawaiian Sandalwood distillery there. So um, And that really helped provide a context for what I was going to see and the people that I was going to meet. And I often surprised people with what I would know about their country. And I think there's also a lot of respect and dignity in that too. Like people are like, oh, wow, he took the time to understand our culture, which is something that my dad always tried to do too. I remember when we traveled anywhere, he always wanted to learn more about their culture, you know, regardless of how long we were there, you know, it, it didn't matter. He always wanted to just know and to gain that understanding to build a friendship because my dad was all about relationships. And so I think that's really cool that you took it to heart and you're kind of doing the exact same thing and carrying that on. So I like that. Thanks. (laughs) So talking about these relationships that we build with all of our partner farms and the people that we work with, when it comes to sourcing, is there a specific process that we go through or how do we do that? Yeah. So when your dad um, was, was trying to get the highest quality oils, he kept running into problems doing that. It was actually pretty difficult. And so there are some things that he put in place um, a long, long time ago that I say we think of now as seed to seal um, that help us get the highest quality oils. And one of those is supply chain transparency. And I don't think he ever used those words, but when he said um, in one of his early books, you have to know the people who are growing and distilling the oils to know Mm -hmm. the quality you're getting, that's supply chain transparency. So in our industry, there are a lot of companies that buy from what we could call middlemen, and they have no idea where the actual oil is being grown or distilled. And we don't do that. We know where it's being grown and distilled. So that's one thing. Um, another thing that we do as a company, I mean, uh, Gary knew that there was all kinds of adulteration. And so 
we put a lot of testing and research in place to know how people are adulterating oils, how we can test to see if they're being adulterated. And also our sourcing team stays connected with those farmers and those distillers and they will ask them like, what's going on now in the market? What are people adulterating um, uh, rosemary oil with or something? You know, yeah. What should we be looking for? And so then we'll develop testing methods. And so We've invested in so much equipment, so much testing equipment, and your dad went out and learned how to read the GC and how to smell the oils. So that's another piece and another important part of it. And then um, a third part is just our agriculture and distillation knowledge. So when he couldn't get good oils, he went and built a farm and a distillery, right? So he learned how to grow them the best way possible, how to distill them the best way possible. And so that's the um, – I think those are the things that still set us apart from anyone else in the industry. And mm-hmm. that's still kind of the the ethos that we follow to get the best quality essential oils. I love that. And I really quickly want to go back to the testing that we do for the oil. So we do have a lot of people that reach out to us and say, hey, we'd love to work with Young Living. We'd love for you to use our oils. We do have a few people that send their oils. And the first thing, immediate thing that we do is we test that oil as soon as it gets here to GHQ or the warehouse or wherever it may be. And I love that we have so many different machines that can test different areas of the oil because one area of the oil, it's really hard to test for adulteration. And I... uh, I don't have the like the exact definition for the words that um, Richard Carlson was telling me about as far as there's like four different layers and um, levels of like testing that they do. Mm-hmm. And in each of those layers, there's like different possibilities of how adulteration can be added or how we can find it and whatnot. So we have all these different machines to not only test for that, uh, for adulteration, but also for, you know, the chemistry, the composition, the quality of the oil. And that also goes along with us knowing how to better, you know, harvest or plant or grow the crop or whatever it may be, or distillation as well, whether we need to reduce the pressure, the temperature, whatever it may be. Sourcing is a huge part of it, but also, you know, the act agricultural part planting it so this is just a very small portion of getting these high quality oils as well yeah it's such a big thing well and and one interesting thing that we don't talk about as much so we talk a lot about agriculture but about 25 percent of our oils actually are wild crafted Mm -hmm. and so what that means is there these plants are growing in the wild and people go out um and, and harvest them from the wild during the right time of the year. And so we, we're involved quite heavily in that on our side as a company in a lot of ways. Um, w- one of those ways is that we want to make sure – so this is a natural resource, right? So you take frankincense. Frankincense grows in the wild. It's been part of um, international trade for a couple millennia at least probably. Um, these are – the world's natural resources, and they're important to the local economies in these places where they're harvested. And we want to make sure that they are being harvested according to any laws and regulations that are there. Um, And we want to make sure that it's being done sustainably. Yes. So one example of this is, um, I mentioned frankincense, but one that a lot of people don't know about is rosemary. Mm -hmm. So rosemary grows wild in Morocco and Tunisia. And the local governments there um, actually control and monitor the harvest of that. And so if you're going to go out and harvest rosemary, you actually have to go and get a permit. And the permit is going to tell you a particular area 
that you can harvest from, and they know how much can be cut down from that area sustainably. And so it's going to give you an, an, a weight of plant material that you can remove from the particular area, and you're only able to do it between this date and this date. And so we as a company actually go to those people that are doing it and we ask for their permits and we review their permits and we make sure that they have um, the legitimate authority to be doing it. And we'll also, um, when we're buying, you know, X amount of oil from them, we know what the yield is. And so we'll look at their permit and we'll say, okay, you, you can harvest, you know, however many kilos of plant biomass and the yield is three and a half percent. So we know you can, um, provide us with this amount of oil. And so we make sure that the amount of oil they're offering us fits within the, the level that is allowable by the permit, by the amount of plant that they can harvest. I think that's fantastic because that, that already cuts out a lot of work for us. Because I remember my dad actually would do the math and be like, okay, we can cut this much, but we need to replant this much in order for it to be sustainable. So it's fantastic that they already do that, especially in a controlled environment, making sure that it's sustainable as well. Another example I have of that is um, up in Idaho. I remember when we were, you know, trying to harvest clary sage, there was like <laughs> one year where we didn't quite hit the amount that um, forecast had given us or something like that. We were, we were missing like X amount. So my dad was like, well, clary sage grows really well in these wild areas. So we'll just load up the swather and try and hope we can get it down in there. <laughs> Otherwise, we're going to have to do it by hand. And I remember we were just kind of driving through St. Mary's just in all these different areas and we came across this one property where it's just super thick tree line right off the road, but right off down into the edge in this like big divot, you could see this massive field of just wild clary sage. So my dad, like for a week was trying to find like who was the property owner and finally was able to find the property owner's number and called him. He's like, you want to harvest my clary sage? You go right ahead. I've been trying to get rid of that <laughs> stuff for years because they attract so many bees and his family's like allergic to bees. Um, and so it was such an ordeal getting that swather down in there. It took us two days to get the swather down in there and a day to get it out. Oh, and we had to like get big excavators and hook it up and lift it up and drop it down. It, like it was a process. Um, <laughs> and I just love the fact that you talked about, you know, that 25% of the oil that we get is wildcrafted, yeah. which I think is absolutely fantastic. So, yeah. well, and, and going back to that people aspect of it. So, um, there are often hundreds or thousands of families that are involved in the collection of these um, products. And so uh, it's really important actually to the local communities that they're able to go out and do this. So we actually, when we're purchasing these oils from them, we're providing s some really important support to these communities. And they're often very rural communities and very remote areas. Which and these is are even more helpful for them. It's significant portions of their family income to be able to go and collect um, these these plant materials. So it, it really is a, a very interesting part of our business that we don't talk about as much. So talking about, you know, all the wildcraft oils that we have, and how there's such a huge portion of our oil quantity, right? What's really kind of fun about this, and a lot of people don't know this, is we just had our 2022 convention, Roots and Wings, fantastic. Oh, I, I loved it, just everyone being back together. So in the Roots blend, there's actually the top three oils that are in there are three wildcrafted oils. I mean, I guess you could say that Grand Fur is somewhat wildcrafted, but mm -hmm. we also do grow it on the Highland Flats farm. But what are the other two that are wildcrafted? 
Um, yeah, I actually have a bottle here in front of me. And for people that don't know, you can actually peel back the label where the barcode is. You can just lift that up a little bit and peel it back. And all of the ingredients are listed. So every one of our um, blends and, and our singles, too, have the ingredients listed on the label. So you can look at what's in there. Um, and so in Roots, the top oil is myrrh, which comes from Somalia. Mm. And then we have the Grand Fur, which comes from our own distillery. And um, then Sacred Frankincense, which comes from Oman. And, you know, I was at Highland Flats for winter harvest this past year. And we were talking about these trees and where they come from. And some of the grand fir is, has been planted. We have some on our on our farm, but it's also a native species to Idaho. And so they will actually go out and, and thin some stands of these trees and be taken from the wild. So it's actually technically partly a wild-crafted um, tree. And one of the comments that someone made to me there as we were talking about these trees, she just said, I had no idea what went into every single one of these oils and how much work goes in and how much is involved. And she said, every oil has a story. Yes. And it really does. Every oil has its own unique story. And the history of the story of the oil itself is so deep. Like it, it goes back for years and years and years. And you just think like all the lives that it's impacted and like all the connections that it's made. When you start to think about it, you just go down this massive rabbit hole. So don't try and think about it too much because it's <laughs> happened to me a few times. And it's uh, you can get so lost sometimes. But what's also fantastic, you know, I really want to touch again uh, on the sus- sustainability part. So like at our Highland Flats farm, I can't remember the exact ratio. I, th- I think it's like a one to four ratio. For every hundred trees that we cut, it's like 400 planted or something like that. And I can get the exact ratio um, for all of you to find out. But I know it's it's pretty drastic like that because we, we really want to make sure that everything is still left the way that we found it and even more plentiful as well because we only have one earth. And we need to make sure she's taken care of. So yep. I know there's also a lot of you that kind of want to dive deeper into like the history and where oils are located and whatnot. And you can totally do that. So on our website, if you go to singles, I don't think we have this for blends, but if you go to singles and you kind of scroll down, there's a science segment. And then the science segment right below that, there's also kind of like, a, a, a oh, goodness, what is it? It shows the botanical name it shows the location of where this specific plant is harvested and it will show one location or multiple locations and these either come from our corporate farms or these come from our partnered farms or it shows you where they're actually wildcrafted as well so you can click on that pull up the map and actually click on the little dot that says hey it's harvested here click on that and it will lead you to that corporate farm or partner farm and give you more information on that so if you're wanting cool yeah if you're wanting more history or wanting to know more about the oil itself or the ingredient itself you totally can um, so I do believe that's only for singles though. Mm-hmm. We are planning to kind of expand it with blends as well as like some of the ingredients that we get for like collagen or power mill. We want to add that to the map as well. So that will be coming sometime in the future. I have no idea when, but it is for sure. Available. I know this for sure with singles. <laughs> so, um, one thing that I think is really cool to think about Jacob is just when you pick up a bottle, 
and you think of all of the people that were involved in getting those oils to you. So every ingredient in you know this bottle of roots or wings that I that I brought with me today, like there were probably hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of people involved in just one of the oils that is in that blend. And so the the that sense of community that you talk about, like it yeah. extends all the way back to where the plants are coming from, all the way to our customers and brand partners who are using these products in their homes. It really you're you are holding in your hand the efforts of thousands of people yeah. across the world. And it's amazing. I, uh, we've had a few people, you know, come and say, oh, our Young Living family is so big, like we have so many brand partners. And they, they, they cut the family off at that point. For me, when I think of the Young Living family, I'm thinking of everybody that's involved, like assisting in the aid of getting these oils to the world. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, well, I can go to a, any commercial store and just grab you know, essential oils there. Like, why are yours different? And I said, let me walk you through the process. Let me take you down to the farm. And as soon as they go to any of the farms that we have and they go through the process, and what's fantastic about this process is anybody can be part of it. Anybody can go to the harvests. Anybody can help literally from seed to the sill. They can plant the oil. They can cap the oil. They can even put the label on the oil, whatever they want to do. If they want to be part of the process, they can. And when you walk them through that whole process, they're like, Wow, I had mm. no idea. And that process that we walk them through is a fraction of the whole process that's involved with these oils. So when you're getting that bottle of oil, when you're receiving your product from Young Living, you know it's the best because of the long, excruciating process uh, and the steps that we go through to make sure it is the highest quality. And like you were, you were saying earlier, Brad, is that my dad knew that it was difficult. And till this day, it's still pretty tricky. Um, but yep. we do it best. We know how to do it. And because of the things that my dad set in place years and years ago, we're kind of ahead of the game. Yeah, absolutely. I remember reading um, in one of his books that he actually started using some tea tree oil early on in his work and wasn't impressed with it. And I thought that was so funny. I didn't even know. And um, it wasn't until he was kind of reintroduced to essential oils a couple years after that that he found out um, that he had been he, what he'd been using was not good oil. Yeah. And when he started using quality oil, it actually worked. Yeah. And so that's the difference. And that's still a huge problem, I think, for any consumer who wants to buy essential oils. Quality oils work in a way that the low quality or adulter adulterated oils don't. And you still really need a company that's going out there putting the effort in that we are doing to know that you're getting a quality product. Yep. And we're doing it all the time. Uh, we, you know, I'm leaving for another expedition to the high Andes in Ecuador to go look for some possible new products to look for sourcing, you know, a product that we had in the past that we might be reintroducing again. So stay tuned for that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, comparing the quality of the oils, it's kind of like the thing, like, you know, when you go and buy like a bad mattress, you have the worst sleep of your life. And <laughs> it's making sure you get a quality mattress that satisfies your need of good sleep, which just definitely it totally improves your life. Yeah, it's the same thing with oils. Yeah, when Gary was first um, looking for high-quality oils, he kept having a hard time getting them because what he realized was they were being produced for a different purpose. They were being produced for flavors and fragrances. And what they were looking for was really low cost and consistency, and it wasn't about the quality and effectiveness of the oil and like a health and wellness setting at all. 
Brad, really appreciate you taking the time to come on to the podcast and share all your knowledge and your information, your love and passion for what you do. And uh, also, you know, for the field, they should also be saying thank you to you as well because you're one of the people that has helped with Simplified and all the products, a lot of the products that they know and love like Roots and Wings. So, by the way, quick reminder that the Fall Simplified line comes out September 1st. So we'll be announcing more information on that August 31st. And you'll see a few little teasers a few days before that as well. So, Brad, that one. Thank you so much once again. Yeah, really appreciate you, everything that you do. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of The Wild Drop. Remember, you can listen on iTunes, Spotify, on YouTube, and our website at www.youngliving.com. Don't forget to oil up Young Living family. This is Jacob Young, dropping out. Take care. <laughs>